Today on Sharp Scratch, you'll learn how to make the most of all those Zoom lectures you've signed up to. Tips and tricks on remote learning from an expert. And how to avoid the holiday vibes when you're living at your parents. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 32, Learning Online. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we talk about all the things you want to know to be a good doctor, but that you might not learn at medical school. I'm Anna, and I'm a final year medical student at King's and also the editorial scholar here at the BMJ. And I'm absolutely thrilled, and I know that she is also absolutely thrilled, because I can see a little smiling face (laughs) on my screen, uh, to be joined by someone who's very important to us here at Sharp Scratch. Laura, would you like to introduce yourself? Hiya, I'm so glad to be back. I'm Laura, and I'm a fifth, almost sixth year medical student at the University of Cambridge. Yeah, it's that weird time of year at the moment, isn't it, where it's like, you're not really sure whether you can say that you've gone into the next year yet. Well, it's also awkward because we're having sixth year teaching right now, sort of the lecture weeks, uh, but in a few weeks' time we'll be going back to fifth year placements and sitting fifth year exams. So it's actually kind of completely jumbled up. Yeah, that's really weird. I also have been, like, on this sort of weird transitionary thing where I've been, like, doing a bit of uni, a bit of BMJ stuff, so it's been... I've actually, like, just been at uni, like, just before this. So now, like, getting my, like... (laughs) getting like intellectual whiplash trying to like cover everything (laughs) and I'm also really pleased to be joined by our good friend Andrew would you like to introduce yourself yeah Uh, my name's Andrew I am now I guess now a third year uh, medical student uh, on the Scott Gym program up in Scotland so yeah done my first podcast of the the week and uh, was a disaster so I'm back yeah so it was Good to be here. Yeah, we, we don't tend to, to invite people back if, yeah. uh, you know, they, if they say anything too boring. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm really, really pleased uh, to see you both. Um, and yeah, really excited to talk about our topic today, um, which I'm sure both of you have a lot of insights um, into. And I think it's something that we have been doing increasingly I mean we're recording this podcast like completely remotely right which we never (laughs) used to do before COVID so I think you know it goes without saying that so much stuff has like moved online and I know that different medical schools have had different approaches to sort of how much stuff they're moving online how they approach doing some of that teaching online um so I thought it'd be really good for us to um have a discussion today about like the kind of ins and outs of learning remotely, how we can sort of make the most of the resources that are out there, um, how we can make sure that we're staying well whilst we do that. And then I thought we could also like have a bit of a discussion about how it's affected the way that we relate to like other students and also potentially our teachers as well. Mm. So the way I thought would be uh, good to do this would be to hear from some of our medical student colleagues um, about what they've been up to and some of their approaches to learning online. Um, So yeah, let's go straight into that and hear from our first listener. Hi, I'm Katrina and I've just finished my second year at St Andrews. I'm on my summer break now, but between March and the end of May, I was working online towards my end of year exams. 
The best thing I did was scheduling time away from the computer as without being able to meet up with friends to test each other, practice clinical skills and stuff like that. I was spending most of my day staring at a screen and that's just not good for anyone's mental health. I had a few breaks built into my calendar every day and I always had a screen-free hour before dinner. One thing that oddly helped a lot was cancelling my supermarket delivery pass, which I had for convenience with long days at uni normally. This meant I had to leave the house every few days or else I'd have nothing to eat. After a long day spent alone at my desk, it was great to head out and see the outside world, even if it was just to pick up a pint of milk. Cool. So I think, um, you know, what Kat has picked up on is there's, I think, a lot of positives about learning online, um, but there's also kind of downsides to it. And I know, Laura, this is something that you and I talked a little bit about, like, kind of towards the beginning of this whole lockdown thing. Yeah, so definitely. how have you, like, found the whole everything being online? Um well, I, I don't know about you, but I find learning and studying so much easier when there are other people holding me accountable. So those kind of, not just the in-person meetups for OSCE practice, but also, you know, paying attention in lectures. There are people either side of you and that holds me accountable. That stops me from scrolling Twitter most of the time. And, and you uh, can't just like get up and leave because yeah. there's someone in your way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, and also just, you know, studying in your house or in a library as well, just the presence of other people. And so, yeah, at the start of lockdown, I found it so hard to focus. I had some pretty rubbish weeks where I set myself too many goals, which might have been achievable in a normal season. But, you know, in March, April were just getting me down by how I couldn't do them. Yeah. Mm. How did you find it? I guess like right at the beginning when I stopped going into BMA house, which obviously it's great that I'm like lucky enough to be able to do all of my work from home and stuff, um, which is, yeah, awesome. Um, But yeah, I kind of looked at like my schedule and I realised that I didn't have my commute anymore. So I basically like felt like I gained two hours in my day. And then I was sort of like, oh, well, what can I what can I fill up these two hours with? Um, and yeah, I've always been someone who I think functions best when I've got quite a lot to do. But I did feel like right at the beginning, there was quite a lot of pressure to just like plow on and keep going. Um, mm. And I think I saw something around the time that was like, remember, you're not working from home. You're like working during like a global crisis, right? And it's okay if some of your like emotional and mental energy and space is taken up by like processing that and not just immediately diverting all of your time into like doing something else um so I don't think I don't know I don't really have any practical tips for well I feel like Kat gave us some really good practical tips um about well-being but I just spent a long time moping around I'm gonna be honest with you (laughs) I had a good old mope (laughs) oh sorry do you usually live at home with your parents Anna like through med school as well no, no, I live, no. like, yeah, with housemates and stuff. So. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, because I, I found that a big change, like, going to live with my parents, which is something I associate with holiday times. Um, at the oh, so your whole so mindset sort of the switching like... environment. Yeah, which is what I associate with this holiday vibe, particularly with the holiday vibe where you know you've got exams at the end, and so you're trying to potter along a little bit here and there. But there's also that lovely pressure to spend quality time with your family, to make the most of home food, home countryside, home friends, you know. Um, And so that too, you know, the lack of routine, the lack of like bedtime or waking up time or anything like that, that also, yeah, screwed me over a bit in the beginning. I found 
something really helpful was to set a regular alarm between 8 and 8.30, even when it was not convenient. Um, and actually, I've stuck to that for the past two months, and I've, I found that really, really helpful. And even if I don't start work but you know, till 10 or 11, like, at least I'm up, you know? <laughs> at least at least I've got a chance of starting the work before midday, which is, uh, yeah, I guess really important to my own sense of continuity. So... Andrew, what about you? Because you've actually got quite a bit of experience um, on your course, like learning remotely in non-crisis times, right? So has that changed a lot for you? Yeah, so our second year, our whole year is like dispersed across like Dumfries and Galloway and Fife and the Highlands. So we're all like chunked up into like wee groups. And so our year has been like remote learning from the start, pre-COVID. Um, we would have like live lectures, we'd have a couple of live lectures every week where um, you know, wherever you're based, you'll go to like the the, the hospital that we're that we're based at, and they've got like a lecture room set up for us. And then the people still in St Andrews will go to the, the uni as normal and, and sit in our lecture theatre, although it's just there's less less people, but you can see everyone on the screen. So it's quite funny. It's kind of, it's kind of weird seeing like all your pals from first year that you know, are on the other side of the country, just like sitting at a lecture. It's kind of strange. So it's weird going from that to then well. It, it, it didn't change too much going from that to then lockdown because we just kept doing the same thing really. Uh, some of our course like sort of changed because we were meant to be doing like a an emergency care block, so like ambulance shifts and uh, in the A and E departments and stuff like that. And uh, obviously, uh, you don't really want medical students just tagging along uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, so that that got scrapped, um, which is which is fair enough. But um, it, it was probably pretty smooth for us because it was all the same technology we're using pre-corona and, and post-corona but um is it uh, like what the the guest said uh, is it katrina um it, it's definitely difficult going from that environment of i'm here to learn to then like i, I was in the flat with um um other medical students and it was, it was really good and, and then we that kind of got ruined and we all had to go home and uh, you're back with your family which which is great because you know you get your meals made for you and stuff like that it's, it's, you know it's <laughs> night but that i associate that with holiday mode and not I'm at uni and so mm. that adjustment of like going from a very uni centric environment to being back in the family house is quite difficult and and yeah like you have to sort of figure out how you're going to deal with your own schedule like I would sometimes wake up like early in the morning and then kind of be like what's the point in getting up like there's nothing on like and, and sort of struggle with that and then like a couple of days would pass and I really didn't to get much done and then you'd feel guilty about it and then you're like oh I need to need to really sort myself out but then like like you said like there's a global pandemic going on and and I think like I was the same right at the start I was like oh, this is cool I'm gonna to learn to code in my in my spare time like because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna learn to code yeah I'm gonna learn sign language yeah all these <laughs> things that you think like like should like good if you can do that like that's great but like I started it and then I was like I just can't be bothered doing this. Like, there's two. Like, I've got exams coming up, and mm. I'm. I feel like I'm not even being very productive with them. Like, I can't start mm. trying to learn to code on the side. Like, that's just stupid. So, once you like, you know, I, it took me a while to get to that point where I'm like, do you know, what? It's, it's fine just to like wake up, do what you can, and then be fine with that. But it did take me a while. Mm. Yeah, I found flashcards the best for that in terms of, like, you, do you know Anki? This yeah, like flashcards. Like, I've, I've, I've been software. there with Anki. Um, yeah, I've, I've moved yeah. on from Anki, but I've had, have had oh, that have, yeah. part. Yeah, you yeah, moved on moved to better on. things. All right, yeah. we can talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> ask you, ask for your thoughts. But um, yeah, Anki is you know it's a flashcard software thing, and if you don't do your flashcards today, 
they just stack on and add up tomorrow uh, and you end up with stacking up hundreds and hundreds um, if you don't do them like regularly. That sounds like the worst, Laura. No, it's, it's, it's good for a time like this. It's the worst when you've got other stuff to do. But when yeah. you've actually got nothing to do, it's, it's all right to have this one thing where... Because, you know, particularly in the early pandemic where there were so many things that it actually didn't matter whether you did them today or tomorrow. I found that really hard. There were mm. so many big tasks, you know, re-watch, like going through old lectures or anything like that. Where if I didn't do it today, I could do it tomorrow and there would be no consequences, you know, that in terms of learning, in terms of medicine. But flashcards, if I didn't do them today, I'd give myself a nightmare for tomorrow. And that really, really helped me and how it still does help me, actually, in terms of making sure I get up and do at least one medicine-related thing each day. Mm. If I do my flashcards, then, then I've, uh, you know, at least done something. Andrew, has it been weird for you, like, seeing loads of other people um, suddenly encountering, like, the issues with remote learning that you might have experienced, like, since the beginning of your course? Yeah, cause I was speaking to this, because um, we are moving to Dundee, so from St Andrews to Dundee now as we move into third year, and I was speaking to one of the staff members there, and they were asking us about remote learning, and, you know, they, we, we, I had all these sort of thoughts on, you know, about how to sort of transition to it, or how to, how to get used to it. Because one of the things with remote learning is like some, it's just not for some people, and uh, and that takes a while to sort of um, understand and adjust to. Like there are some people who just like I'm p- partly like this, where like I really like going to lectures and just seeing everybody and like just like you know speaking to people outside the lecture and you maybe go and do something afterwards. Like that's a big part of uni, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of that adjustment is quite difficult if you lose that, and that was really important to you. And equally, there are people who don't go to lectures who, like, this is, like, this is their ballpark. They love this. Like, this is, they, yeah. they've, they've been used to doing this um, before. But um, it is kind of weird seeing all these things about, you know, getting remote learning up and running when we've already been doing it. Um, and it, 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 I think it will be difficult. Um, and I think, like, IT stuff plays, like, a huge part in it that I think um, people maybe underestimate, like, just having things at work is quite difficult to get. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that happens for like not just medicine, like every other uni that's doing it for every course up down the country. It's kind of going to be a probably a big adjustment period. <laughs> yeah, I just want to pick up on a couple of things that you said there. So firstly, is this whole idea of like the kind of social aspect of being at uni, right? Yeah. Which I think for me, like reflecting on being at at home and, and working remotely it's it there's a lot of similarities to some of the problems I had not like problems problems but but when I came to the BMJ like I came from being in the clinical environment all the time being surrounded by other med students junior doctors who you know you you all like automatically have rapport with people who are like other med students right because yeah. it's just such a it's just such a big thing and when I came to the BMJ and I was working on my own a lot and I was like obviously clearly the most junior person like around and basically <laughs> the only other like med students junior doctors I saw was like the sharp scratch people right and and I did find that like quite lonely and then it's like another step up like to be doing this remote thing like I'm not even seeing anyone in the office yeah. like there's no casual conversations over like coffee or over lunch and I think that's really like it's really sad and it's difficult to know like how to get around that because you know it's just you just don't have those like organic interactions and obviously on this podcast we talk a lot about the hidden curriculum and that's 
a lot of the hidden curriculum, or at least in my experience, comes from those organic interactions you have with people that aren't necessarily yeah. like didactic teaching. So I think it's really something that I guess I worry more about for like new medical students who are coming yeah. in in September. Definitely. Like, yeah. Like how's um something that I love in lectures or that I, well I loved with my with my previous year group is that I had a really lively medic group chat that was always pinging during lectures. Yeah, commentating. Which, yeah. <laughs> commentating. <laughs> know it well. On particularly unintelligible slides, yeah. uh, stuff like this, you know. Um, which, you know, is frivolous on one hand, but also, you know, when it comes to stuff you don't understand, stuff that you're like, you know, it's really good to have that active group chat where you can throw stuff out there and get something back. Um, and since moving to a new year group, uh, I haven't like got that lively group chat anymore for live mm. lectures, um, which is something. So actually, Sharp Scratch is my most lively uh, medic group chat at the moment. <laughs> uh, oh wow! Well, I keep. I, so, uh, I always get worried on the WhatsApp group, the Sharp Scratch WhatsApp group. I'm like, oh, well, I'm messaging them again. They're gonna think I don't do anything apart from message them. More keen, more keen. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we could make like a subgroup where it's like people only people who are actually like interested and not working in a hospital like you know <laughs> oh bless her yeah <laughs> so that's actually quite like a good practical tip though for people mm. who are listening like maybe if you want to kind of do a sort of slightly ersatz social side um set up a group chat and and get people get people going during lectures mm. um yeah it's, it's a fine line though to to tread between like getting super distracted um yeah. and having that like social element it's a fine line. All these like fu- all, all, <laughs> all these funny things impressive. that happened in lectures are just like flooding into my mind now. And I'm, Same. I won't go there. And I guess the other thing to say around like protecting your well-being um, whilst learning remotely is like it's important to remember. I think all of us are lucky that we have like I have good internet. I have a relatively yeah. quiet space where I can um, access these kind of materials and mm. don't have to worry about. Um, being interrupted um, and also I don't have any accessibility issues that mean I you know find it difficult to process I mean for instance you know the way we're recording now on zoom like I've been thinking about recently like there's no closed captioning or anything like that so I think I think there's a lot of issues that maybe might not like cross your mind necessarily if you're in a position where those things don't affect you but actually I think as medical students and junior doctors, we should probably be a little bit more reflective about that. I don't know what you guys think. Well, I think there's definitely like a sort of knee-jerk assumption that because of the generation that we are, that online learning will be automatically easy. But you're right, there's still lots of places where Wi-Fi is really poor, lots of med students who've got dependents, lots of med students who've got accessibility issues. So, Mm. you know, it just because we are under 30 doesn't mean hang on that's again a generalization about med students because not all med students are but you know that you know the assumption that tech is automatically easy for all med students isn't doesn't actually hold if you think about it yeah yeah definitely um cool so we're going to hear from a couple more people about their experiences learning remotely but that will be right after this How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot, 
you're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. Okay, back to the show. So let's hear from our second listener. Hello, I'm Vinay. I'm a fourth year student from Bristol. Uh, I generally found that teaching really motivated me to read and learn things. I got quite involved in my university's peer-to-peer teaching programme and then later on the Becoming a Doctor Zoom lectures. I would really advise other medical students that you really can teach, even though you might not be qualified or senior in your medical school. The process of writing up a lecture and some MCQs is often a lot more fruitful than simply reading from a book. I mean, I personally have seen like so many um, kind of extra like peer led um, remote learning kind of schemes and series and stuff popping up. Um, And it's not actually something that I personally have like accessed that much just because I've still been sort of working at the BMJ. So I haven't had like huge amounts of time. And also my uni um, has actually put on like quite a full program of um, like virtual teaching and stuff. So but I know that a lot of other med schools like haven't necessarily been quite as quick moving as um, King's has and that people have found these um, kind of external organisations doing uh, sessions really, really good. Um, have either of you guys been doing any like remote teaching or getting teaching from near peers rather than like senior lecturers and stuff? Yeah, I've been doing the smile lectures. Has anybody done them? Like, uh, was it? Um, sustaining medical education in a lockdown environment um, on the they've got like a Facebook group and Twitter and all that sort of stuff and uh, that, again that just came up I think I just saw it on Twitter and I saw they were doing um, like lectures and obviously my, my exams were reduced but they were still on so I still had exams to do um, during this lockdown sort of period and and obviously as I said like struggling to get up in the morning like what's the point like the best thing to like fix that is Oh, I've got a lecture, a smell lecture at, at ten. You, are, I need to be up and like ready and like like in the zone to like see this lecture. And like I find them really helpful. Um, actually, just to structure my day or like to sort of uh put you like you'd go and do a lecture for an hour or an hour and a half, and it's like some really enthusiastic like trainee, especially doctor, like really keen to teach. And there's like a thousand students on this um Zoom call, and like uh, it's not the same as like being in the library or being in a real lecture, but it certainly gave me that sort of sense of like. All right, you know, I'm not the only one feeling like this. You know, there are tons of other people mm. in the same scenario, and here's somebody like really keen to teach me. You know, what the how the eye works. You know, and and uh, you know, it sort of it gave me that sort of motivation. Like after I was done, to be like, all right, okay, I'll go and do some more medicine. Like you know, in the afternoon because I've had a good morning doing this lecture, which you know maybe you know isn't by the book like 
matching my uni's curriculum, but you know, like still need to know how an eye works, you know, and uh, like yeah, I found them really, really helpful. And uh, and again, the the nice thing about the remote stuff is you can just dip in and out of it. Like nobody's going to be there, like marking your attendance or you know checking you were there or that sort of thing. You you go and pick the things that you think you need to look at or you want to look at just to get you in the mood. And and uh, yeah, I thought they were really, really great. It's such a good thing they put on. Mm. What about you, Lara? Um, so, well, at first I put a bunch into my calendar, thinking that it'd be really helpful for me to have structure. Uh, and then I went to one, uh, particularly because it was being run by uh, a friend of mine from uni, um, it, as part of the COVID Med Ed lecture oh, series. Yeah. Mm. Um, I do particularly like attending teaching that is by students and new doctors, because they are so familiar with like your knowledge basis like what your starting point that Mm. they can teach really clearly based on what you probably already do know from your sort of early years of med school teaching or from your pre-med school teaching so yeah I do rate them even if I haven't been able to make it to very many yeah that's something I kind of wanted to um like just make the point is that I think a lot of these schemes have been like very much near peer teaching um and I think I think there's a couple of reasons for that so partially um it's kind of much nicer if you're a teacher. Like I remember I, I used to do the, so the medical students association at King's always runs like an OSCE series every year. Um, and I did one of the, like, I did a couple of them um, when I was in fourth year for the third years. And it is like super depressing when you prep something and only like four people come and then they won't even <laughs> like interact with you. So I think having an online platform where you're more likely to get like more people there definitely makes it more appealing to like the junior doctors or whatever who are, who are teaching. And there's actually also quite a lot of evidence for like the how useful near peer teaching is and definitely yeah in my like kind of limited experience with remote learning making us do a whole podcast about remote learning and I've like basically not done any myself so (laughs) I'm just trying to get like tips from you guys um before I go back to med school although fingers crossed I will just actually go straight back into seeing patients Mm. um so uh yeah um I think I think it's really cool and I think it's something that we miss out on if you're not in clinical placement. It's just like talking to junior doctors about yeah. like yeah. what they do in their day to day lives, like actually on the ward, like and no oh. amount of like didactic teaching about how the eye works or yeah. how the kidney works is actually. <laughs> oh, Anna, going I loved to... it so much in June living with a pair of new doctors, as in the final year students who become interim yeah. uh, foundation doctors, that and living good. with them too for five weeks like and hearing all about the kind of things they actually do in the day and the kind of conversations they had had like it was just a taste a taste yeah. of what's to Laura, come we're missing that out could of. have been us <laughs> that could have been us Anna. <laughs> are we glad um, or i mean it definitely makes me are so excited for finally it <laughs> but definitely both definitely yeah both. so my actually, actually yeah. my best friend from med school has mm. moved to do her interim in the hospital where i live so I've got to like actually see her and oh, stuff wow. and she's living in the hospital accommodation and it is just so nice like after weeks and weeks and weeks of not really talking to anyone just being like oh my god like tell me about what you've been doing on the wards um <laughs> and uh yeah it's really exciting um oh, I remember like oh today I did 
a ward round on my own for the first time. Today I called someone for the first time. Today <laughs> I talked to a relative for the first time. Oh, it's just so exciting hearing it all. I can't wait. Yeah, it. and you don't great. get that like with yeah. remote learning, I don't think, because people kind of have very much like a, okay, I've been asked to talk about X topic. Mm. And, and that's not to say that that's not useful. Um, but I think particularly, yeah, for me, like getting towards the end of medical school, I'm very much like, okay, I just want to know, like, how do I write this in the notes? Um, who do I refer this to? What how actually happens? do I need to get yeah. this person in? Yeah, like, what actually happens? <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe there's a gap in the market there, you know? If you run one of these remote learning series, mm. get on it. Maybe we just Tell need a new to doctor to just do, like, a a one-hour-a-week journal of their life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what yeah. To do, yeah. And do um, you find that, like, Vinay, like, that you're... That you, do you find teaching to be an effective way of learning oh as well? yeah yeah it's definitely like I remember when I had I had a group of I was in fourth year and I had a group of second year students which which at King's we still have quite a big distinction between clinical and um like pre-clinical I mean Laura it's the same for you guys yeah, at Cambridge right thing, yeah. and they were like we want to do a session on lung physiology and I was like Oh my god! Like <laughs> I do not remember any of that. Like I have this ra- vague recollection of a lecturer like getting a balloon out and using a balloon and a plastic bottle, but like I do not remember anything about lung mechanics and like lung physiology. So I did this. I probably spent about four hours doing making a session that lasted for forty five minutes. Um, but you know, I can remember remember that lung physiology now, even now after like. Mm. Driven by fear. Over a year. Not that they ever, like, now test me on it. But I definitely think teaching is a really, really good way to learn. Um, And it's really, like, it's really nice as well. Like, I think this has been one of the things that has really kept me going, like, over this kind of whole remote period is you put something on and, like, you get, like, immediate feedback from people because they're like, oh, thank you so much. Like, that was so good. Or, like, you see someone tweeting about it and you're like, you get that rush of endorphins, you know. You're like, I've done something Mm. and people have liked it. And I think that's been, I mean, for me, that's been really important over this time is to get that validation of what I've been doing. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that sounds really good. And that's so much like, obviously, turning up to a lecture is a far more, can be very passive if you don't like, if you don't, if you're easily distracted, if you don't, if you don't feel engaged. Whereas teaching, it's inherently very active and Mm. you produce, you literally produce something. And so it's productive. Mm. you're like in that sense yeah and then people ask you questions as well and you're like I don't know the answer but you can like try and sort of think through it and quickly yeah I google don't think it you, too, which you yeah, or quickly live. google it or um <laughs> <laughs> you know th- there's there's um so many like benefits to teaching and I think I think there's quite there's actually quite a lot of evidence for it if you look at the like pedagogy Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, to summarise, teaching, good for your learning too. <laughs> Put that on the billboard. Oh, can that just be the uh, little social media clip? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, let's hear from another one of our listeners about something that he's been working on during lockdown. My name's Seb. 
I'm a recent graduate from UCL Medical School, and I've been working with a team of other graduates during lockdown to run an 11-week online learning module called Solve It. We delivered three team-based learning sessions a week that used a pub quiz format to year five students who are having to do all their learning remotely. Because of the unique situation where students had each covered two thirds of the curriculum, we were able to produce content in a novel format that functioned as a sort of student clinician mutual aid scheme. Year five students generated questions on their most recently completed modules, and we, the Silver team, formatted the questions into quizzes. We collaborated with clinicians for quality assurance and delivered the teaching online each Friday with students in teams answering the questions written on topics they had yet to study, with silly team names, of course, like Quizwitty and Don't Cry For Me Quarantina. This meant that the year group was both invested in near-peer teaching and helping educators by contributing to the delivery of the curriculum content. From this, I think we learned that remote learning can facilitate opportunities where student-faculty hierarchies can be flattened, whilst also promoting student-student and student-faculty solidarity. As recent graduates, we were perhaps naturally a bit more tech-savvy than clinical staff, who of course had other parts of their jobs to focus on. The university thus gave us the opportunity to create an environment where faculty-approved content was delivered by graduates, but supported by a clinician to provide clinical insight. This significantly reduced the preparation time for the clinicians whilst also platforming student presentation. Having recent graduates and clinical staff co-present sessions using a conversational delivery made the sessions feel more relaxed. We used a platform which allows people to post anonymous messages on screen, which leads to a lot of fun, jokey moments, but also allows some people who may have been reluctant to put their hand up during an in-person session to contribute anonymously. With this relaxed atmosphere, we were able to incorporate elements of pop culture, historical knowledge and non-traditional question styles. Think picture quizzes, linkies and dingbats that may have felt out of place in a normal teaching session. The clinicians who supported the project really enjoyed this element and remarked that they would have never had the time to have thought of that themselves. In the feedback we collected, the majority of students said they preferred the fact our sessions were student run and supported by staff instead of being run by staff alone. Remote learning thus provides an opportunity where students can show solidarity with staff during a difficult period whilst producing useful content for their peers. I'd hope this encourages us to move away from thinking of education as something that, because we pay for it, we should expect it solely delivered from those higher up in the chain. Healthcare worker solidarity should start in the university as it fosters a mutual respect in the sense that we all have things that we can learn, unlearn and teach to others. So I had like the most lovely conversation with Seb um, about this uh, this clip that I wanted him to do. And um, he also recorded with a towel over his head, he told me, so that he could get the best sound oh. quality. Respect. <laughs> um, <I> respect. Which, um, <laughs> respect. Um, so, yeah, I think we've, I mean, we touched a little bit about... Um, kind of what he said about the whole near peer teaching thing. Um, so what I really wanted to pick up on was this idea of like the student so staff solidarity um, and the way remote learning can kind of affect like the hierarchies and the student teacher relationship. And it's something I've reflected on a little bit since I've been sort of semi back at uni. Um, and for me, I think in some instances I've actually felt kind of the opposite that like 
you know, when I'm in the clinical environment, I feel like I'm part of the clinical team, or at least I think maybe my like viewpoint is kind of skewed by the fact that I came to before I came to the BMJ, I was on like an eight week general surgery firm at a district general hospital. So it was very much that the medical students were like part of the clinical team. And like I did a, a lot of the stuff that the F1s were doing. And I was really starting to feel like, you know, I was getting ready to, to graduate and be a doctor, which I suppose is good <laughs> at that point. Um, if you're, you know, a final year medical student and stuff. Um, but yeah, I very, very much felt part of the team. And now going back into like a remote learning scenario where it's maybe like, someone who like a professor or something like giving a presentation I don't know I sort of feel a bit like I'm at school again and I'm just expected to like be quiet and and note stuff down and not actually like have that much of a dialogue um and this is not all like of the it doesn't apply to all of the remote learning that I've done but yeah I'd be interested to hear how you guys have felt about that uh, I thought that was a great clip that scene um Sounds like a really good idea that they've done and run with, and uh, I think the idea of like students becoming more involved in like education and, and the graduates as well um, is pretty cool. And I, I think one of the good things to come out of this sort of uh, environment that we're in is because everything's changed so rapidly, it sort of means like people start innovating quite rapidly as well, and you know, and, and that's good because you find out what works and what doesn't. Um, and uh, like w- one of the things um, we've done in our course is like every week we sort of get given like learn outcomes and you're responsible for a learn outcome and you have to teach the rest of your small group um on what that is and uh you know it, it's pretty good because you know there's maybe seven or eight of us in the group plus the gp and like the, the gp has no involvement in what we teach each other and well, quite often they maybe don't know um, what we're talking about which is quite funny as well and uh but it, it sort of gives people that sort of uh you know, some people like it some people don't but it gives people that opportunity to kind of get creative and kind of uh, do what they want. I've had, I've had, I've had uh, steroid strengths uh, in the form of Lord of the Rings characters, like how, how powerful they all are <laughs> and stuff like that. Like people get creative um, and like that's just one thing that you can kind of recognise about this environment rolling is people can ha- kind of feel that need to change things up a wee bit and, and, and do things a bit differently. And I think it's nice that, uh, I think it's good that the, the students and, and graduates have sort of taken up that that mantra and and, and went out and done something and, and also done it in a way that like the uni supported them and clinicians have supported them as well and, and I think that sort of it's, it's a good way to do it because you've got that sort of you know you know for those people who do feel like you know uh you know I, I want to be taught by you're know, an expert in this then they've you know mm. they, they've, they've got the backing of those people you know when they're doing this this teaching so yeah it's pretty cool uh, i like the idea it's pretty cool yeah it seems like a really good way to like balance yeah. those mm. two things right mm. and makes the most of uh the king of covid the quiz that's really had its had mm. its time during this pandemic hasn't it it's yeah. had its day it's had its day <laughs> yeah, the quiz really really <laughs> flourished under these circumstances too much when, like, i'm more surprised when... I'm more surprised if people's quizzes are still going. That's like yeah, I no, think... I know. I definitely know some that's still going. And and when are you going to turn around to your family and say, you know what, we're going to stop this weekly tradition? Yeah. Like when is Don't... that? When <laughs> there's not there's never going to be like an appropriate time. Anyway, not about quizzes. I was thinking about um, from what Vinay said and from what you said, Anna, about the hierarchy stuff. And I totally agree with you, Anna, in that most of the online lecture stuff has mostly made the teacher feel like a lot more distant 
If it's pre-recorded, you cannot interact. Mm. If it's live, quite a lot of variety in how fluidly teachers can access the chat on Zoom, for example, to look at the questions being asked and so on. And no one's going to unmute themselves to ask. It's a lot better if people don't, to be honest. a diplomatic way of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's got a different amount of experience. It's valid. I've had to run, you know, everyone's had to run stump something on Zoom for the first time, mm. right? Like it's, 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 a, it's a learning curve. Um, but yeah, and it's, and it's always a lot more fluid if people don't unmute themselves to ask questions because then you end up with lots of interruptions and that's a bit stressful too in its own way. So yeah, so often teachers feel a bit more distant. But I can think of two occasions in which, in my experience, it's, it's been different to that. And one of them was a a case presentation and it was a case-based discussion, which works really well in a small group setting. That's the only time I've experienced it, right? But this worked mm. so well. There were lots of opportunities for questions. There were lots of that sort of Zoom poll function used. And people genuinely interacted. It was about end-of-life care in times of uncertainty, as in an uncertain trajectory of end-of-life. And there was a lot of room for debate, for disagreement. And it was cool how the teacher encouraged people to join in, something that can be quite hard and intimidating in person, never mind at a distance. So that's the first thing that worked really well. And the second thing was that at the end of the lecture, at the end of the discussion, the teacher said, oh, I was a bit nervous throughout that because... And here I thought that she was going to say because it was her first time using Zoom. But what she actually said is that she was nervous because she'd recently gotten a new puppy and she was worried the puppy would disturb the lecture uh, but it slept the whole way through the and then the chat just went off like it'd been pretty active yeah. before but it just went <laughs> off Give us the puppy. we saw the puppy <laughs> it was like the most uh unifying moment in my med school experience was seeing this puppy anyway that really just that that was a definitely flat hierarchy moment there herbie the best boy yeah and i think the nice thing the nice thing that i found in these like because we have weekly case-based discussions um at uni and it's like you can also answer each other's questions whereas yeah. you know if you're in a massive lecture and someone puts their hands up and asks a question even if you know the answer you're not going to be like i know the answer to that um <laughs> but you know if reaction. you're in a zoom chat and the, <laughs> you know the the person who's presenting is like clearly not looking at it in that exact moment and you know the answer off the top of your head you can be like oh it's here or like oh here's a great resource here's a link to life in the fast lane that's what someone keeps putting into our um zoom chats (laughs) so i think there's a lot of there are a lot of benefits and i guess one of the things that seb mentioned as well was like it's nice for people who potentially might not feel so confident to like speak up in a in a lecture in person obviously not something i've struggled (laughs) ever struggled with (laughs) answering people's questions (laughs) 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 no i find that as well with the one of the uh, smell lectures was on ECGs and uh, one of the consultants from somewhere in England was like uh, running like a series of ECG lectures and like part of it was that he would just put up an ECG let everyone vote on what they thought it was and then he'd like talk through it but like you didn't really feel like there was a you know a big bad consultant running this teaching session and you know it was you know it looked like just a guy in his house telling you about ECGs and and you mm. know everyone got involved he did like a huge uh, Kahoot with like 700 people in it it was insane and like so there was a lot of like uh, you know it was quite interactive and, and you know it didn't feel like it was hierarchical even though he, he was a cardiologist consultant and like mm. it, it worked really it worked mm. really well like um, and you can see the chat going off people are doing what you're saying like people know the answers to things and can sort of explain why and 
yeah, but you sort of need those people in the chat. Uh, there's like people from Smile who are like running it while he's going. Like, there's no way he can do the lecture, do the interactive stuff, talk through stuff, and look at the chat and like, all these things popping up. Like, you do sort of need to like not invest, but like have that organization going into these things to like let them run properly. Like, which might not always happen. Yeah, you need the infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. need to invest. So I think that's basically everything I wanted to talk about today. And um, yeah, I mean, yet again, I've done a podcast that's completely selfish because it's an issue that I've been thinking about a lot and um, have been wanting to hear from other people. And I think we've been lucky enough today that I've not just got to hear from you guys, but I've got to hear from um, a range of different people um, and, you know, some of our listeners who I was like to have people um from the wider med school community on um sharp scratch so it's been really great to to hear from kat and i and seb today um i'm sure you guys will yeah agree it was with me. it was i love yeah. i'm always so curious about what's actually going on in other med schools you know break out of my i know i'm so nosy yeah. i'm just so nosy so lara have you taken anything away from our conversation that you might use to uh change your approach to remote learning in the future what you've done anna is you've added to my desire to to want to teach but it's still not quite at that tipping point that I'm actually going to do it do you know what I mean like I'm becoming increasingly convinced that it's a really good (laughs) use of time that I haven't really utilized no you should do it you should do it because honestly the rush of endorphins the instant validation makes it all worth it keep keep pushing me towards that tipping point Anna because because I can I I hear what you're saying I hear what you're saying I'll be in the whatsapp group (laughs) I'll be right in the Charlotte's WhatsApp group, sending you opportunities to teach, you know. Or the sub, the subgroup, the chatty subgroup. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll set up a Slack, we'll get a thread going, like, there's all sorts. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? I mean, you're already the expert on remote learning, yeah. so maybe we haven't, uh, we haven't taught you much. No, completed it already. Um, no, no, I, I, like, I, I like the idea of, like, people seeing this as, like, an opportunity, like, I'm just going to go and create this thing and do it and see if it works like I, I like the idea that people like see this like pretty like terrible situation and they've just went yeah, I'm going to start doing my own thing and see people like it and start teaching and get people involved and you know you try and see if this is a better way of doing things like it's a good opportunity for all that and 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 I, I think that's pretty cool but then equally as well if you're one of these people who's like I hate this remote stuff like why does everyone pretend that they like it you know it's good to like recognize that sometimes things just aren't like for you and just try and find like some good compromises if you can but yeah no it's it's definitely like a, a weird time and like if people feel like it's not really for them like that, that, that you know that's okay too mm. and one thing we haven't really spoken about today is actually seeing patients remotely which I've recently started Ooh. doing but the reason why I didn't want to focus too much on that was because there has been an episode of deep breath in um on that so if you're interested in hearing a bit about how GPs have been finding seeing patients remotely uh definitely go and check out one of the BMJ's other podcasts deep breath in it's a really interesting episode if you're interested in how you should be kind of behaving on video um so if you're interested um then do go and check that out it's called deep breath in um it's available wherever you get your podcasts and also on the BMJ's podcast page That's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. 
If you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts, and in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. While you wait for the next episode, check us out on social media. We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know what you think using the hashtag SharpScratch. It's also really helpful if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Pods or wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps other med students find the show. Until next time, it's goodbye from all of us. Bye. Bye. Bye.